the majority of the people, which uh, of course are staying in their comfort zone, believe that by by remaining there, they can have a much better life, a much more comfortable life, and so on. But I think that we are the proof that actually this is not always the case. That actually, probably the comfort and the success doesn't really depend on the circumstances around you, but depends on how the approach that you have to things and how you're able to drive those circumstances in order to build for you the success. Welcome to Unique Careers, Unique Lives. This is a show and I'm on a quest. A quest to find how people get unstuck and create unique careers, unique lives. Every week I interview a guest find their answer. Will you join me? Let's begin! In this episode, my guest is Marco Paleologo Oriondi. Marco is a senior product manager in one of the biggest banks of UK and he's a very good friend of mine. The reason I wanted to interview him was to understand how he made the career changes he made in his life. Marco has started his career in Italy as a cashier in a bank. He later had multiple steps in the bank, moved abroad, ended up in Munich, Germany, where we became good friends, and later moved to his dream country, UK. He told me how he could make it all happen. I hope you enjoyed this episode and talk to you in the end. What does success mean to you? Depends when you ask me, I would say. Success in different times of my life meant different things. And I suppose at the very beginning, it was more associated with money. So having an increasing salary to be able to enhance my spent and my comfort. In between, it was, it was more related to power purely power. Today, I think I'm more in a mature stage where I actually define success more in a way of how much am I able am I able to impact the business or the, let's say, in general, the, the environment where I am operating in. And I think it's applicable on the personal sphere and on the professional sphere. You can define success also in your personal sphere that says how much you're impacting the the decisions of your family, uh, your friends. Mm. You say impactful. Mm. How much you're impactful. Mm. A couple of questions come at the same time. The first Mm. one, let's start with the first one. When you talk about being impactful, Mm. how, how do you feel you are making an impact right now? Oh, I'm today in a position, I reached a position in the bank where I'm working, where partially for luck and partially because I, I, I probably gained the right and deserve to be there. Uh, I imagine the entire mobile app of the bank. So I'm impacting basically five, four to five million customers using the mobile app every day, which means that all the features, the journeys, the experiences, as I like to call them, that I'm uh, building on the app are impacting a number of people in the country, as well as uh, internally, I challenge uh, 
uh, and be and decide in the end ultimately what goes into the app. Whatever the organization wants to build, uh, it's up to me then to challenge the business case and understand if this is an experience so we, we can actually deploy, make sense to deploy, both from a cost perspective and from a customer experience perspective. So in, in, a, in an organization like the one that I'm working, which is from, I think, I believe this year, in the yeah, January 2020, we launched a new brand, the new brand and the new value proposition is mobile first. Being uh, the person which is owning the mobile app, I guess, puts me in a good position to impact our customers, hopefully positively, of course. I'm thinking of what you said in the beginning about it's important to get out of your comfort zone and mm. success is getting out of your comfort zone and finding way to impact in all those situations. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, right now, when you look at uh, your work, how much success do you find? But again, so if we define success by impacting, let's say, so being able to impact with your decisions, uh, I consider myself quite successful today. There are two elements of this. First of all, in complex organizations, it's difficult to identify, let's say, a one person impacting more than another because choices are made more collectively, uh, the responsibilities are shared, is not like, especially in banking, where 30 years, 40 years ago, there was a director taking all the decisions. There was no decision out of his control and all the organization was aligned. Today, the organizations, especially fintechs or smaller companies, but I must say also the banks are switching very, very quickly to this kind of models, are very flat. The decision-making process are very short. And so is actually the team which is impacting through this shared model of decision-making. And this is one part. So this is organizational, which is making difficult for an individual to really be the one impacting on his own. Second, I believe in teamwork. I believe that my impact is more in giving all the support and sharing my knowledge with the people that then make the things happen. Being in a managerial position today, in my opinion, means not really centralizing all the decisions. And so then identifying yourself with that change that you have delivered. And so measuring your impact based on that change. But it's actually how much you're able to motivate your people. So the people really working then on, on the daily stuff. And how much you are in general there to serve those people in order for them to achieve their goals through which then you will achieve your goals so yeah yeah exactly look one of the things that i first said to my team when i presented myself the first week i said look consider myself as your first servant so i'm here to serve you i'm not here to take decisions so the way i feel i'm impacting today is uh, how good you're able to serve and to to motivate your people because in the end uh, this is i mean this is how i interpreted the role of a manager and so your impact i guess hmm. i was thinking about what you said you said the position i'm in is an impactful position 
And mm. I came here maybe with a bit of luck, but also because I deserved. Mm. How did you deserve where you are right now? What did you do? Look, in, uh, the short answer is uh, continuously challenging yourself. This is partially linked to the comfort zone topic on which we opened. People challenging themselves and always trying to raise the bar is very difficult. They don't reach whatever success means to them. The way I believe I deserve where I am, which is something like I consider for my values and for my goals a success, can be different from somebody else, of course, is because I constantly pushed me and also my family, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> out of the comfort zone. So never, never giving for given what I had in any particular moment in time in my career and always trying to raise the bar to the next goal. This is what I think today I deserve from one side. And on the other side, on the second aspect is how much uh, you are able to work on yourself and your personality traits in order then to be able to reach those goals, whatever goals you have. What had the biggest impact on your changing your personality? I guess is the changing, changing countries, changing companies, changing the people you're working with, changing uh, flats, so changing in general had a huge impact on uh, on the way today I approach change and approach life. Uh, made me a person much more flexible in adapting to different circumstances quite quickly. Made me a much more open person in terms of accepting and building diversity, which today is probably also a buzzword, especially in the corporate world, everybody's looking at diversity. But the reality is that people fear diversity. So unless you don't really experience it in the true sense of the word, it's difficult to appreciate it. I mean, this is my personal experience. So actually by changing so often, I think that the change itself made me what I am today. So a much more open person, uh, leveraging and uh, appreciating diversity and much more flexible on any given conditions. I don't need like a desk with the picture of my family on the desk. With a large desktop, I can work anywhere, I can work with anyone, I can work with uh, any resource and capabilities that is given to me and still deliver results. Mm. I feel you don't know what comfort is, <laughs> like uh, being in the comfortable <laughs> zone. Uh, yeah, it can be. I mean, yes, you're right. I've been, uh, again, pushing myself out of my comfort zone since the very beginning of my career. But I think that today I am in comfort out of my comfort zone. So, what do, yeah, what do I mean is that today, if I don't push my boundaries, if I don't raise the bar for myself, I will feel uncomfortable. I will feel that I'm not giving 100%. I will feel that I'm not actually making the best out of my life. Because now for me, the best has become looking beyond the bar, understanding how you can raise that bar and go to the next goal. And so it will make me really extremely uncomfortable not doing so. When did this all start? 
uh, raising the bar, uh, pushing the boundaries, changing? So I think it's part of my DNA, to be honest. Also because of my family background. So I think my dad is a bit like this. Coming to my experience, when I was very young, in the, when I was in the Boy Scout, I have a long career in Boy Scouts since I was age seven. So I did all the path of Boy Scouts till 21. And then at 21, I decided to become a Boy Scout master, guiding and educating children for another 10 years. So I spent 20 years of my life in Scouts. And I must say that Boy Scouts is an amazing experience, which I suggest to anybody. And really, from a very, very early age, puts you out of the comfort zone. Because imagine when you're seven, anyway, he pushes you to spend one weekend out without your parents and sleeping outside in tents, cooking on fire. So he pushes your boundaries quite, quite heavily, I would say. He pushes you to build interpersonal relations with people that you don't know. Believe me, for a child of seven years old, it's not that easy because you're out of the family. It's, it's very, very critical, actually. So then it pushes you physically when you are already at age 16 to walk for hundreds of kilometers in over a week, trying to adapt always to the circumstances that you find and try to leave the places in better shape than you actually found them. So it's also a very, very valuable principle. So I guess it started there really pushing my limits physically and emotionally. And he went through all out my life. So then my first job in the bank was already the first challenge because I was coming from political science studies. And actually, I didn't even have an current account at that age. So why did you accept a job in the bank? <laughs> I accepted it in the bank. Basically, because I have... <laughs> I received quite a few pressures from my family <laughs> to do so. To be honest, I also had no other opportunities in parallel. So I actually, I accepted initially with uh, some constraints, of course, some concerns. And anyway, telling to myself that I could always leave if I wanted. It was good money. It was really at the cash desk. So it was a very easy job. Just counting cash for the, the customers. And then, I mean, Okay, <laughs> I found my way, but I guess it was already a challenge accepting uh, something for which I mean, of which I didn't know really anything. I was actually, I think it was the first time that I entered into a branch because I didn't have money so far, so I didn't have the need to have an accurate account or a debit card. I, I knew really anything, so that was the first challenge, and then and so on and so on. I mean, so you, you entered to the bank without knowing what the job was about. And then um, what, what yeah. was your journey about challenging yourself and uh, finding new adventures? The thing is that I always had the goal to have an international career. So I spent part of my younghood between, let's say, 12 and 17 abroad in Belgium. And probably is the best period of my life, I would say. And that big chapter of my life, which is, let's say, pre-university, is for sure one of the best periods. And so during those years, I, was, I grew up in, uh, in an international military base. I grew up with people coming from all over the world, Americans, Turkish people, Greek, uh, all the nations of NATO, Portuguese, Spanish. So it was a, really an amazing experience. And so I always had the, the dream to go back to abroad. 
So I came back to Italy and made my university in Italy, but I always wanted to go abroad. And this was one of the reasons why I actually decided to study international political science because I had this desire. And so with this dream in the back of my mind, also when I was in the bank already from when I was in the cash desk, actually, I was bothering <laughs> the super executive people in the bank <laughs> to go international, uh, to go in the international network of the bank. I remember when I was still a cashier and I, I wrote an email to the head of retail of the bank asking for a one-hour interview because I wanted to join the international network of the bank. You wrote to the head <laughs> of retail as a yeah, cashier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, imagine. Let's say you, you work because actually he replied to me and gave me one hour interview with my branch manager, super mad because I wrote without telling him, and telling him anything. So they waving him. But actually, I mean, in the end, the reality is that these people is ready to listen. So I went to the headquarter in Rome uh, and I had this one hour interview, which then turned out in being anything, so zero results. But based on that chat, first of all, I got promoted uh, because I made a very good impression on every day. So from being a cashier, he promoted me to be a business, uh, small business relationship manager in another branch because he, he valued my <laughs> boldness. <laughs> my, my boldness, exactly. Not only that, that the head of retail made me a relationship manager, but he also put me in the talent pool of the of Banca di Roma, which was the bank I was working with. And once Banca di Roma has been bought for Unicredit, all the talents have been given priority to select positions in the new headquarter. So the reality is that thanks to my boldness to write into that retail, it's true that I was not sent directly abroad, but thanks to him, I was pulling a talent group, which gave me the possibility to go to Bologna for three years, get out of the branch, which is what I wanted. I really hated the work in the branch. And my first experience in headquarters is uh, in the planning and control function. And then thanks to this experience, I was then selected to go abroad because they were looking for a profile, analytical profile, ready to travel. It was basically, it was really a perfect match with the, with the profile that I had so far. Connecting the dots today, actually, was, <laughs> it was a good move. It just uh, started with an email. It's incredible. It just started with an email. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, you're right. Throughout my career, I had this push to go internationally, which continued when I was in Bologna. So in Bologna, I spent three amazing years. Again, uh, it was like a military academy. We were working like 24, 20 hours a day at least, <laughs> minimum. Yeah. But again, thanks to this, then I built a very solid profile. And then I was uh, chosen, actually. They called me to go abroad. So I joined the Central Eastern Division. So finally, it was my dream. I was working abroad. Uh, I, I stayed there for basically six years. And I must say that one of the crucial moments there was, I mean, if I look back, is how much scared I was in uh, realizing my dream. So between Bologna and uh, Vienna, let's join the Central Institute of Division, I was finally realizing my dream, right? So I have been called and selected to join uh, this team of say, internal consultants. But believe me, when I received the offer, till when I accepted the offer, actually even, even beyond, because I made a mess, that is by accepting the offer, but also telling to my, to my manager that I was saying. So I got really confused because I was super scared to realize my dream. So I finally had my dream in front of me. And even though I was very scared because 
I felt that I was pushing my comfort zone very far, <laughs> maybe too far. Because, uh, I mean, in Bologna, I built a very nice, uh, very nice environment. I have, my, uh, I have my two best friends, which they are still my best friends, which were colleagues working with me. I had a nice flat paid from the bank. I had my girlfriend in Rome at that time. So, I mean, Bologna was quite close. It allowed me to travel on the weekends. Uh, I was having a lot of fun with my friends. So we were really going out busy every day, every night after work. So it was really, really not tough and nice. And so, even though I had the dream in front of me, I was extremely scared. And this made me really confused and not being able to manage the situation. So this, by for a couple of weeks, I basically had my feet <laughs> in both sides because I, I accepted the offer. But I also told to my manager that I was staying in Bologna because I was really unsure. And then everything has been sorted out by taking a break, uh, which is usually then today what I do is I left everything and everyone to, let's say, to isolate myself and really focus on myself and what I really wanted. And there I basically, in one week, by doing this, I understood that this was my dream and Yes, it was pushing my bar very far, but still was worth trying. And this is then when I started my international career, basically. I was just thinking back this time you isolated yourself. How yeah. did you come up to this conclusion that it was actually the right move? Look, it's always about the fear of loss. So being in your comfort zone while deciding if you want to push yourself in going out, it's extremely difficult because you are living in your comfort zone, right? So unless you're not a very, very motivated so to make the change, it's acting like a sort of blanket. So imagine during the winter mornings, you're in bed under your fantastic blanket. You know that you need to go outside, prepare yourself, and then finally <laughs> go to work, right? So how much are you motivated to leave that fantastic blanket? So your motivation rises in each and every moment where you get closer to the door of the flat. So you stand up and you already are a little bit more motivated. You take a shower and you're a little more motivated. You start to dress yourself, then you have your breakfast, and then finally you go out. All these steps are building your motivation because you're going far and far and farther and farther from your blanket, right? And so the same was in other occasion. So being in Bologna, going out every night with my colleagues and friends, living that amazing situation was, I mean, was obviously creating a, a lot of noise in my head, right? So when I actually decided to leave everything and go one week in the mountains, far from everything, far from my comfort zone, it was my first step. It was the shower. I took the shower and then in that moment I realized, obviously, I mean, I need to go. It's obviously a challenge, but I mean, it's what I actually wanted. It's why, it's why I wrote that famous mail five years before and so it would be really difficult to take this opportunity so my friends will still be there my girlfriend Nelly will still be there I will stay because there was also a partial fear of failing an opportunity uh, where I was very established as a profile in the, in the team that I was working so being very well recognized versus going in an environment where nobody knew me so I had to prove myself again I think it was part of the of the fear that I had, but taking that shower helped a lot to 
to then take the opportunity, I would say. And this is then a learning that I have always brought with myself for all the, the future choices that I made. Mm. Always trying to take a shower before deciding. <laughs> this is why I change so frequently, because otherwise I don't take showers. <laughs> <is it? laughs> so I know that you had this moment again, I think. I don't know how similar it was for you after you moved to Munich. From Munich, you moved to London. And I remember you were going through some questioning and this decision period of yours. How did this um, previous experience actually impact it? Did you use this learning in the last decision that you have given? Again, short answer is absolutely yes. This is a learning that I used over and over again because from that moment I took many decisions actually the the Munich to London one was basically one of the last I would say it's like anything else in life I guess the more you do something the more you get used it's obvious that the decision that I made to go from to leave Italy and to go in Vienna and start working abroad I was much younger and it was actually the first time there was such a thing, right? It's like if you say to somebody which has never even walked in the park, from tomorrow you, uh, you need to climb the Everest. I mean, uh, yes, I can do it, but <laughs> it's quite a challenge, let's say. Uh, the more you train yourself in uh, climbing, of course, Everest won't be always the same Everest that you had at the very beginning, right? So there's first a component of that. But yes, to answer to the question, I usually isolate myself when I when I face critical moments, critical decisions, to understand what I really, if this is something that I really want, or it's just a temporary, I would say, capriccio in Italian, so yeah. wish, <laughs> a temporary wish, which doesn't have any, let's say, solid base behind. Or and third, with age, you become more rational. That isolation is also is is partially to listen to yourself, to your inner voice, uh, but also allowing you to be more cold and more rational in your analysis. I, I really list the pros and cons of the decisions that I need to take in order then to facilitate the decision making process. Which, if you stay in your normal life, uh, is very difficult because you don't. It's easier to find time to focus and to have a, a rational approach to the decision-making. So I find, I find way better to isolate yourself and take decisions. While you were talking, I, I thought that actually I think the decision was already given before you have taken the time to think about it. Like yeah, acting to go towards it, you had an internal decision that you wanted it, but then the reality hit you and then the fear starts to creep in. Then you start to rationalize and it's kind of find ways why this fear can actually be right, although you know that you want to do it. It's, it's, it's I think, yeah. kind of takes you a bit back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, I think, I think you're right. There is always a reason why you do things, right? For example, if you take any decision, so uh, in career or any change, change don't happen just because somebody make that happen for you, right? In general, change are happen are happening because you're triggering the change somehow. 
except this uh, virus. <laughs> I'm not, I hope we don't sure. trigger I'm it. Not, and I'm not even sure, just to, we can talk about conspiracy theories, but let's say <laughs> normal professional change and life changes, uh, let's say, don't just happen. So you, you need to trigger something to make that happen, which is an interview, which is just any form of showing your interest for something different, a talk with somebody, you know, just really, it can be really anything. I mean, and in my life, I went through different triggers. I use different triggers to change. I guess it's because there is something inside of you which is pushing you to change. And then when finally that change becomes concrete, and is in front of your face, then is the moment in which the fear of loss kicks in and blocks you, basically. This is why I find I find very beneficial to isolate myself and try to reconnect to that initial voice, which pu- actually pushes you to make the change. Mm. This is the reality. Yeah, I think when you are with the people, then the the fear of loss is more uh, fed because people are there who you will be losing and they remind themselves whereas when you isolate yourself then yes you yes. have in your heart whatever you have and you can remember yeah. what was it plus and this is connecting probably to the to the first thing you were saying is the reality is that the majority of people is adverse to change okay uh, and change provokes in anyone in both people adverse to change and in people which are advocating the change, still uh, uh, change is creating fear, right? So it's obvious that even when you want to change, you are surrounded by people which are adverse to change. And so, and this has obviously an impact on your decision-making process because if you are with people which are actually trying to show you what you are losing, trying to say, <laughs> create impediments, in order for you to embrace the change is much more difficult. It's like trying to fly, putting, let's say, weights on your ankles, right? I mean, it's much more difficult, let's say, to jump. So you need to get rid of the weights in order then for you to be able to at least try to jump. One of the challenges I face in changing has been how to manage all the people around you, trying to keep you on the ground and not supporting you to jump. It's mm. one of the biggest challenges, I think, yeah. Mm. How did you navigate this challenge? Except from going away in the end for a week? <laughs> I guess is um, trying to have a rational approach. Uh, there is always a value in what people tell you. And uh, it's true that what usually the people around you is telling has some, uh, some sort of truth. And they also bring you a very good point because the other risk that you that you face when you challenge is also overestimating the opportunity. Because when you dream about something, it's very difficult also to be objective about what is actually being offered to you in terms of change. Right? If I take a look in my case, when I accepted London, to be honest, it was not really a great opportunity. From nor nor from a career perspective. No, from a financial perspective, I was going to basically gain exactly the same in Germany, but facing many other challenges. But uh, I reckon there was an element of dream coming through. Luckily, he ended up good for me, but I mean, there is a risk that you're taking, right? When you make a change, you take a risk. So if you overestimate the dream and the opportunity, 
you need to be very cautious about. And so it comes back again to analyzing. And so people around you are able to, through their, even though they're negative, maybe too, too often, but through their negativity, they can actually mitigate the risk factor of overestimating a dream. So how do you manage is trying to compile the picture, taking into consideration both forces. So your risk overestimating because it's just a dream and the negative force coming from the people around you, which is telling you just to stay because there isn't just an opportunity. By combining those two forces, we are trying to be analytic as much as possible. This is how you manage. I see. I felt you are saying when you are thinking of yourself, keep the emotional part and remember the fire in your heart. When you listen to other people, notice the logical part and uh, take the logical part of their arguments and make a decision based on that rather than feeling sad what the other people are trying to impose on you. That's that's uh, that's a good way to say it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, this is what you said. <laughs> you stated in a much better way, to be honest. But yes, yes, that's, that's exactly true. Even though, as I said, you need to be able to, to be as objective as possible also with yourself. Because again, there is a very, very emotional element. So you need to trigger from one side and remember why you have started the change, when the change actually finally happens. But also you need to be able to assess properly and objectively the change before actually embracing it. Hmm. So remembering all the emotions, but also trying to be a little bit rational in what you're doing. Hmm. I want to finish by asking you, to give a nice message to people who are dreaming. Well, <laughs> you are a dreamer yourself, but at the same time, a logical man, analytical man. So tell me, how would you give a nice message that combines both? More than being a dreamer is own your life. I'm a program manager. I've been always a program manager. And I guess one of my strengths is the strong sense of ownership that I have for the product, for the services. And life, in the end, is a product. Is your product, right? So uh, if you see life like this, then I really encourage people to own it. Because by owning, as a consequence, there is a number of things that will happen. You, you will feel more in control of your life, and you will be able to think big. Think about your goals, and think about possible ways on how to achieve them instead of thinking about constraints that they are in front of you. Because this is the way a senior product manager approaches products today, right? So when you are you want to deliver a feature on the mobile app, you think about the target goal and you don't have to think about, okay, but there is this problem, there is this problem. You need to think about the different and multiple ways on how you can achieve that goal. And the same with your life. So think big. Think about what is you want to achieve in your life and then walk it back and understand how you can get there with a strong sense of ownership because in the end, it's you making things happen for, say, 80% of the times. Fantastic. Great ending. And uh, this left me the question, what is in the project pipeline for you? <laughs> Few things, as usual. Uh, at the moment, I'm still, let's say, I'm finishing my MBA which was, again, a fantastic achievement. Another um, comfort zone breaker. <laughs> exactly. Another comfort zone breaker, So, which now became actually my comfort zone. I think, look, 
the next thing is being able to be conscious that there will be one. I'm sure there is something else. Then it doesn't really matter if you know now what it is, but being ready and sure there is something else around the corner. It can be a different, a different country, it can be a different job, it can be another master in something, or collaborating with a friend on a, on a venture, on a new venture idea. Uh, it can be really, but being having that mindset of being open to just anything is, let's uh, say, my next thing. Great. So you will keep on pushing yourself out of the comfort Always. zone. <laughs> Always. And uh, this recording will remind you that you said it, so you will uh, remember it all the time. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Thank you very much for Thanks taking very much the for time. Your time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I had lots of laughs, especially the idea of taking showers before deciding. If you would like to get in touch with Marco or read more about my takeaways from this episode, you can visit the website of this podcast, which is interestingly the same domain name as the podcast, uniquecareersuniquelives.com. It is uniquecareersuniquelives.com. I'm wishing you all the courage, clarity and the space you need to assess all the information that life gives you so you can make wonderful changes in your life. Sending you lots of love, take care and talk to you in the next episode.